When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome to All Steelers Talk, your home for everything Pittsburgh Steelers, presented by AllSteelers.com. What is up, Steelers Nation? Thank you so much for jumping on to another episode of All Steelers Talk. I'm Noah Strackbine, joined every Monday and Wednesday by my main man, Stephen Thompson. Find us on YouTube.com slash All Steelers Talk and subscribe anywhere you get your podcasts. And today, we have a fully loaded show for you. The Pittsburgh Steelers are apparently, or at least have apparently, spoken about moving into the top 10 of the NFL draft. Meanwhile, they add a new defensive tackle through free agency and, uh, Fan Nation dropped a mock draft, and I got to say, working as the Pittsburgh Steelers, things got very, very difficult. But as always, it is a beautiful, beautiful day. It's been a beautiful week. You're coming off Jordan year birthday yesterday. Shout out to my man, Steven. How's it feel to be 23? And uh, how are you enjoying a a great week? Brought it back from Florida and on your birthday. I'm going to give you credit for all this. That's right. Um, I brought it back with me. Um, It was great. Yeah, yesterday we went to, um, girlfriend and I went to uh, Gaucho downtown yeah. um beautiful place uh walked around a little bit down towards the point beautiful night for it yeah couldn't have asked for anything better i was in bed by 11 o'clock i because i'm getting old so <laughs> it was it was a perfect day nice nice 23 i i think 23 is the year that you get hung over for the first time so you know <laughs> yeah yes yes it will be yeah. <laughs> big things to uh mm-hmm. big things to look forward to but that's awesome good to hear it was a good night for the point um i'm, I'm sure you're downtown i don't remember if the pens game was yeah, it was Pittsburgh. a the, yeah. The Pens and the Pirates played in last, town night, last really? night. It was a pain in the ass getting downtown. I was gonna but, say it was probably crazy, but at the same time, like it's that atmosphere is always a great time in downtown yeah. Pittsburgh. Like, there's nothing better than Pirates fans walking around and the the bridge being shut down. It's always a good night, especially in a nice yeah, was, April evening. It, it was sweet. Everyone's outside drinking, like enjoying the wet. Even if like so, there was Pens, there was Pirates, there was all those people, and then there were just people who were just outside. Just drinking, yep. just having a good time. Just enjoying, enjoying, the enjoying the weather. Love to hear it. Love to hear it. Glad it was a good day. Let's talk some Pittsburgh Steelers. Yesterday or two days ago now, the Bootleg Football Podcast came out and said that the Pittsburgh Steelers have at least had a conversation with the Chicago Bears about moving up to pick nine. Seemingly, you have to guess that that's for one of the big names. Christian Gonzalez, Paris Johnson, maybe Devin Witherspoon. When you read this, were you surprised? Did you say, oh, okay, Omar, this is this is following the trend? What was your instant reaction here? Well, I love the aggressiveness, first of all. You know, just even if it's just doing your homework, uh, doing your homework on in kind of an aggressive manner like that, I, I love it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, who knows how likely it was? Who, know how far, how, who knows how far these talks progressed? But 
Um, you got to like that Omar Khan swinging for the fences a little bit and, and just putting all of his options on the table. You know, you kind of, when he said that at the combine that, you know, all options are on the table, we'll do, you know, whatever it takes to get whatever player we want. That sounds a lot like, you know, a cliche and you don't, you kind of take it with a grain of salt, but I think this is some proof that he really meant what he said and that he wants to be aggressive and that, you know, that this is real. Yeah. The most interesting part I thought uh, of that report was that they kept mentioning tackles, you know, that they mentioned it was kind of, it was a move that would be made if they thought they could get uh, one of those top tier tackles, which I thought was interesting. Just we've heard corner, corner, corner over and over again. The idea that, especially because, and we'll get into this with your, your mock draft a little bit later, but there'll be some, there'll be some tackles at least that are going to fall to 17. It feels like there, there might be. My thought was my initial thought was I like the move. I like the aggressiveness. I agree with you. I think that we've talked about this time and time again, 17 is a dead zone. I just, Mm -hmm. you don't know what to expect. I think there's too many questions at 17 to feel comfortable, comfortable about any one player or any one position. You move into the top 10, you got your pickings. And I think that's the biggest question is, what are your pick? Like, what is your best option? Is it Christian Gonzalez? Does he even make it to nine? Is it Devin Witherspoon? Does he even make it to nine? You know, is it Paris Johnson or Broderick Jones or Peter Skaronsky? I think just judging off of what we've talked about, and we talked about it on Monday, that they brought Christian Gonzalez in for a pre-draft visit. The only way that you're going to land Christian Gonzalez is to move up into that top 10 and go get him. Maybe that's their thought process there. I, I got to ask this, and, and you know, I know how I feel about it, and we'll get to that in a sec, but you look at this and you say, okay, well, if they move up and they go get a corner, it's probably going to be Gonzalez, or maybe it's going to be Witherspoon. Do you feel comfortable? Like, do you feel like that's the right move? Or do you, you know, with how large the cornerback class is, you know, you could find somebody at 17. It might not be one of these top four guys, but somebody's going to be there. You know, we talk about Keely Ringo being there at 32. You got to feel comfortable about 32. If you move up to the top 10 to go get a corner, you know, I kind of just, are you just, are you moving up for the wrong reasons? I guess. No, uh, yeah, I get that question. Um, but no, I don't think you're moving up for the wrong reasons. I think one of the things we talked about at kind of the beginning of draft season was the need for game changers, you know, the yep. need for a, a, day one starter a guy to get the not just to get the fan base excited but to to really be a star um Mm -hmm. and so to to that end I don't think moving up is that bad of an idea um I know they have a lot of needs and I know in one sense having depth with your picks is is a really good option but no I think there's a bigger more pressing need for kind of game changers on both sides of the ball but I think more pressingly on the defensive side of the ball. They've got a lot of guys who are real solid, but not a ton of guys that can completely flip a game on its head or make, you know, a game changing play. Um, you know, Minka's been able to do that. TJ's been able to do that. But yeah, you know, some support for them and just another another potential star that's, you know, on a rookie deal and all that. I think that's a much more pressing need. So no, I don't think trading up would be trading up for the wrong reasons, uh, especially if you're able to. I, I think it's a different conversation if you're landing a a corner versus a tackle, though. You know? Do you see? So my thought is, and I agree with you. Like I like the approach of going to get somebody that you know is an instant game changer. There's no 
question marks. It's your guy. You need a corner. Go get a corner. Can't be upset about that one. My thought is if it's a if it's a tackle, you know, as long as it's the tackle. Like I think Peter Skaronsky's got questions about where he plays in the NFL. That's a concern. I think Broderick Jones is a stud. So if you go get him, cool. But I don't think you got to move up to nine to go get him. I just lock in on Paris Johnson and say, well, if they love Paris Johnson and you know, everybody wants to talk about Dewan Jones and how much they love Dewan Jones. And, and I think that Dewan Jones is, is really, that love is real, but they took Paris Johnson out to dinner as well. They attended his pro day as well. They met with him at the combine as well. You know, like they didn't bring him in for a pre-draft visit. I get that. But at the same time, like a pre-draft visit isn't to do anything outside of talk about who you are as a person. You know, nobody's, Nobody's running 40s or catching passes on a pre-draft visit. You know, you're getting a tour of the facility. You're meeting with this guy, probably his agent, maybe his family. And you're learning about who this guy is as a person. They probably don't need to, to ask Paris Johnson anything. You know, Dewan Jones got, has plenty of question marks about him. Is he, is he a left tackle? Is he a right tackle? Is he healthy after his injury at the senior bowl? What's going on here? Paris Johnson, stud. So you need right. a stud. You know, the, he was a, no matter where you put him at Ohio State, he's played three different positions on the offensive line. He succeeded at all of them. I just don't think there's any questions there. May In my eyes, my first thought was they're going to get Paris Johnson because it, he'll likely be there at nine. And I just I have a hard time saying. I have a hard time saying that if he's available and you could finish off this offensive line after all the effort that you've put into it so far you're going to pass that up. You know what I mean? Yeah. I, I I understand that. But I also think they put a lot of work into building this secondary up. I, I think they've set it up. Agree. I think they've set it up for a young corner to come in and really, really thrive. I, 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 I see, okay, I, I can see the tackle argument now more, but if we're talking about game changers and someone who could really make an instant impact for a team that's right on the edge of playoff contention – I have to imagine the the added value of an elite corner is going to be higher than the than the added value of an elite tackle, even a tackle, especially a, a rookie tackle. You know, I I don't it's, disagree with that. I I do agree with that because uh, I think that you could leave Dan Moore in there and bring in Christian Gonzalez, and your team in year one has a, an immediate upgrade that's better than. If you replace Dan Moore with Paris Johnson and, you know, just have the same corners as you had a year ago. I do agree with that one. My okay. So I think the the next important part of this conversation, though, and like what maybe defines where they go with that first pick is what do you give up? You know, if you're moving up to nine, what do you have to give up? I, I, I like threw a fun spin off of this in a mock draft yesterday just to see like, OK, well, if they move up to nine, what happens? My thought was, it's Omar Khan. So, you know, you always got to expect a little bit of magic. My, my trade was 17, 49, and a second next year. Do you think that gets the job done? Because it gives them two picks now. You're not like moving up to six or something. You know what I mean? You're going up to nine. And when they gave up the Bush trade, I want to say it was just their current first rounder and next year's first rounder. So to give up a second and then give up a second next year, I feel like evens that out. Yeah. Yeah. And I feel like these trades up for even these trades into the top 10 don't actually go for as much as you might think they would, you know? Mm -hmm. 
Yeah. Like the the Panthers moving up into number one. one. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. That that package was far behind what I thought it was going to be, especially with two yeah. uh, two elite quarterbacks at the top of this draft that they that they most obviously need. I thought the Bears would have been able to squeeze a little bit more out of that. So I, I I'm compa- I'm compelled to say that would get the job done, and that would be if it could, that would be an absolute steal. You know, yes, that's easy. Like Easy. you would, you would do that in a heartbeat. Like, who cares about that second round pick? Like, who gives? Like, who cares? In yeah, you already have one. You have the best second round pick there. Like, right. already, you could give up your second one. It's no big deal. Right, uh, right. So, like, it that would be that would be absolutely ideal. I would do that in a heartbeat. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. And and I don't know if you're, it's the Bears, right? Bears have number nine now. I don't know if you're the bear. Like, if you're the Bears, do you say no? Like that. I think the Bears uh, win on that one. They get 17. They don't have like a pressing need. I think the Bears are under the understanding, at least listening to this guy on the podcast. My understanding of his understanding of the Bears was the Bears kind of realized this is going to be a bad year. You know, you got to work through the bad to get to the good. And they're just trying to get as many picks as humanly possible to bring in as much young talent as humanly possible. I think 17, you still have really good options. Compared to what you're going to get at nine, like what are you going to get at nine that you can't get at 17? If you're the Bears, if you're the Pittsburgh Steelers and you have two positions that you need to draft in the first round, being at nine is valuable. If you're the Chicago Bears where you could draft literally anybody on the board and it upgrades your team, 17 is a very good pick. 49 and you get another second next year. So you could add you know, another weapon next year or you could use that to move up. I just think that that... Uh, it does. It does make a lot of sense. But if you have 32, so say you have 32 still available, does that change your thought of a corner? Because I think that the the tackles that will be there at 32 will be much less impressive than the corners that will be there at 32. Maybe that is that is true. Yeah, because I'm. You know, this is leaking into our next segment a little bit. But your mock draft. Yeah, you kind of you think that Keely Ringo is still going to be there at thirty two, which thirty two. Yes, I think Ringo's man, there. Guy, man, that guy continues to like fall so, so much, and I don't really understand why. I don't know. Derek explained it to me, and I have watched some of his tape. You know, I'm not as big of a tape guy when it comes to the college guys as as a lot of these people, but you know, and you got to give those credit because some of these guys put in just insane yeah. amounts of work to watch Absolutely. this film. Um, the way Derek explained it to me is. His biggest downfall, and I've caught on to this now watching after I've been explained to, is that he he has no he has no backpedal. Like none. Mm. It's an it's an immediate I'm running with you. If you gotta make a cut, I'm already a step behind, sometimes two steps behind. That could hurt you. But at the same time, like at 32, you know, are you expecting to get somebody that is an immediate superstar? Are you looking for somebody who could be a superstar? On top of that, like you know, fan, we're, we're going to bounce off the fan nation draft and Emmanuel Forbes is still on the board. That dude's an immediate superstar in the NFL. It feels like unless, you know, nobody plays that small or ever has played that small, but maybe he breaks the mold. 
Mm-hmm. You know, but, but at the same time, Darnell Wright might be there. Dewan Jones might still be there. You know, so you, is the argument, do you take a chance on, you know, is your love, if you're the Pittsburgh Steelers, is your love more for Dewan Jones or is it for Keely Ringo? I think that's the biggest question there. Yeah. It's just weird to have their, their second pick be informing their first pick so much. Like who's yes. going to be available at their... Yes. It, yes. It's just it's it's just incredibly odd because they at 17 they're completely at the mercy of the, the, draft. the yeah, the people drafting ahead of them. Um Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, but at 32, 32 it seems it feels like the possibilities are endless. Yep. It, that's cuz they are. I mean, your expectations are much lower, but the the possibilities are I think it's that's it. It's like at 9, if you move up to 9, your face value, even if it's at corner or if it's at tackle, is is high like you you match your you match the value of the pick whereas in 17 chances are you're not going to match the value of that pick you're gonna you're gonna have to drop below it and the question is how far are you willing to drop like are you willing to go as deep as a dewan jones and say well maybe this guy's a second round pick but we're going to draft him at 17 same with ringo or i guess deontay banks is like a mid first rounder so he kind of fits into that conversation same with Emmanuel Forbes I guess or you know if you move and then at the same time at 32 you know that face value is kind of back again like it's like okay well Dwan Jones at 32 is a good pick Darnell Wright at 32 is a good pick Emmanuel Forbes or Keely Ringo or Tyreek Stevenson at 32 very good pick Josh Downs like you know you get into the wide receivers I just think that 17 is just like you're not going to match the value of the pick yeah nine you could which is which is good because I came into this conversation like firmly it's got to be Paris Johnson or nobody. But, you know, you get like you land a Christian Gonzalez, that Christian Gonzalez turns into Jalen Ramsey. Like that's worth the ninth pick in the draft. That's a steal. Like you just you just got a star. Same with Devin Witherspoon, you know, a number of other guys. So maybe I mean, that, I me leaving this conversation in my eyes, I'm much more interested and that ninth pick than I was because I just looked at it like it had to be a tackle, which is very exciting. I think Paris Johnson's an absolute monster. But if you could go both ways, I think that's also very, very, very exciting. So we'll see what happens. We'll see where these conversations go. Uh, next thing I want to talk about, Armand Watts joins the Pittsburgh Steelers. The The contract details haven't been announced yet. Big D tackle, 6'5", 307 pounds, uh, started 12 games for the Bears last year. He's a former sixth-round pick for the Minnesota Vikings. Guy's got 57 games and 22 starts under his belt, eight sacks, 125 tackles, seven tackles for loss, 15 QB hits, three forced fumbles. Like it's it's a, not a bad resume for a guy entering just the fifth year of his NFL career. You know, you see the signing. I think when we saw the Braden Fihoko signing, you looked at it and said, oh, well, this is an option at nose tackle. You looked at Armand Watts and you said, oh, maybe this is an even better option at both nose tackle or just for depth for the defensive line yeah yeah i think the versatility is a good point um he can play a couple different positions he has experience there but i'm most impressed by the size and i think that's the biggest part um like that's their biggest need along the defensive line in my mind is just a true nose tackle someone who can eat up space and move guys and be unmovable a little bit like just take it like i don't need him to get eight, nine, ten sacks or whatever. I just need him yeah. to take up space. Take up space and let Cam Hayward and TJ Watt cook uh, and yep. Alex Highsmith cook. Like That's the thing. The, the Steelers needed defensive line help, but you didn't need a superstar. You didn't need to land anyone super impressive. 
So it's this is a super solid signing. We'll see what the financials look like, but uh, from all reports and what it looks like right now without knowing how much they're paying him. This, this seems like a great move. Great move. I I agree. Do you look at this and immediately think he's the starter? He's the favorite to start at nose tackle right now. Yeah, he has to be right. Like it's, I don't know who's there's no one else or Montrevious Adams, but right. Adams is more of like a third down guy. He's pretty much all pass rush. Falco, you know, he had a good strong end of the year, but I don't know. I think my big thing right now is that even if there are a couple of question marks, the Pittsburgh Steelers have given themselves options on the defensive line, you know, across the defensive line. You now have depth. You now have a nose tackle, you know, like you a, a week ago, two weeks ago, you looked at this group and you were like, are we just, are they ignoring it? Like, do they just not care about anybody on the defensive line? Isaiah Loudermilk is just not the guy like, you know, Carlos Davis is gone or they're running out of options. And you just started thinking, well, it's got to be the NFL draft. It's got to be the NFL draft. Then you start looking at, and we just looked this up before we just put the list together before uh, the show is that they've only brought in three defensive tackles for pre-draft visits. I'm sure that they're going to draft a defensive lineman. I'm like almost positive about it, but the fact that they're not doing a bunch of homework there, you know, makes you nervous. Now you make the signing and you go, okay, well, you know, now they have options. Maybe they only need one more option. Maybe they only need a Keanu Benton or a Garvon Dexter or a Siaki Ika. You know, maybe they only need one guy to come in here and just, you know, fill a role to learn with DeMarvin Leal and hopefully Isaiah Loudermilk turns into something. But at the same time, you have veteran depth. You're like, okay, well, you know, he could, he could play and he could be an impact player. And that's enough because last year, I mean, you got to think like last year, dude, like Tyson Alualu was getting playing time. Shouldn't have got playing time. You know, Mm -hmm. like he was past his career and I love Tyson. I think he's a great dude, but you know, there's just nothing left in the tank there. You didn't have any depth on the defensive line. I think now you do. That's got to be, you know, got to be huge. Do you, I think the next thing is, do you look at this as like the end of a guy like Chris Wormley? Do you say like now the positions are filled? Why would we bring somebody like that back? Yeah, absolutely. Like, I don't know what role he can fill that you're not, especially if you're going to draft another defensive lineman, you know, like, and that's the other thing about the draft is that this goes from a real pressing need that you might have to spend a, a day two pick on. Yeah. And now you can afford to spend a day three pick on it. Like you're just, you're making yourself more flexible in the draft, but then also in free agency, like you just said, like, you don't need Chris Wormley, like, no. you know, kind of plain, plain and simple. Like it's, he's not, he's not better than a lot of, like, I, I don't know if all Either of them, guys, I think. Yeah. Right. Yeah. He's, I, I don't know where he would fit in. If you kept him, it would be kind of a guy burning a hole in yep. the, in the bench and on the roster, it's it's if he yeah. even makes like would he make the roster? He would make. The I roster, think he'd make right? the roster, but I think it'd push a guy like Isaiah Loudermilk out. And I, I'm not necessarily ready to give up on Isaiah Loudermilk yet. You exactly. know, I'm, I'm not I'm not looking for him to play, but I'm looking right. for him to have an opportunity to earn playing time. You know, I but I agree with you. I think that right now the Steelers head into the NFL draft, and you look at you know we'll just assume that Watts is the starting nose tackle. You got Cam Hayward, Larry Ogunjobi, and Armand Watts. And then you got DeMarvin Leal backing up Larry, Larry Ogunjobi, uh, Fehoko and Adams backing up Watts, and both Fehoko and Watts can play uh, two positions on the defensive line. I mean, Watts has played across the defensive line. And then you hopefully have Isaiah Loudermilk that could become a, a primary backup for Cam Hayward. And then if you draft somebody, 
I mean, that all of a sudden your defensive line looks pretty good. You know, right. it, it looked real rough two weeks ago. Right now, it looks totally fine. They've spent almost no money on it on guys with a little bit of upside on a position that, I mean, Mike Tomlin explained this to me a couple of years ago. I felt like an idiot when I asked the question, but I was like, why did, why, why was it so easy for Montrevious Adams to come in here in week 13 off of a practice squad and immediately make an impact, become a starter, and have like no issues adjusting to your defense? And he was like, he plays nose tackle and they don't do anything except mm-hmm. for go straight. And I was like, all right, well, that's yeah. all I need to know. Like, you know, like, yeah. Cool beans. That that's I think that was their expectation. Is why would we go spend eighty million dollars on Javar Javon Hargrave when we could just get you know Armand Watts for a million bucks and say, well, you know he's got one role and that role is to just stand there in the middle of the field and not get blocked. So, right, it's to be three hundred and ten pounds and yeah, six five. Like he can absolutely do that. He can do that. Way. You know, waking up in the morning, he's capable of doing that. Right. You know, no effort whatsoever. So I agree. I think that right now the Steelers' defensive line looks. Very, very good. I think you alluded to this, but you don't see any changes to the – you see a, a minor change but nothing significant to their draft plans because of it? No. I mean, it eliminates something like, you know, we talked about last week, like maybe trading up for – or seeing if Jalen Carter can land in their lap. Yeah, um, I, which is, again, like a guy I, – I mean, not to go back, but if Jalen Carter's sitting there at nine and you're sitting there at nine, you yeah. draft Jalen Carter over Christian Gonzalez, I think I'm still going Christian Gonzalez. Oh, yeah. I, I would agree. Yeah, yeah I'm not – Yeah. Immediate need, no risk, your guy. All right, I agree, I agree. All right, but it doesn't, it removes the need to move up. Yeah, yeah, and it also, well, yeah, it move, it removes the need to move up for a guy like Jalen Carter, but it also, it means you have more flexibility in your day two picks to yeah. address some kind of other need, and instead you don't have, you can just wait till day three. You can find someone who's decent. You can find a good value. And you're feeling good about it. Like, yeah, he's got, I agree. I agree. I think you could look at it and say this defensive line class is very good. They have a lot of flexibility. You could draft a guy like Gervon Dexter and say, well, this guy's raw, but we got plenty of space to develop him. Isaiah Loudermilk was raw. We could continue to develop him. I don't think it puts like a major dent in their plans or changes much of anything, but I think it does take some pressure off and allows them to, you know, kind of readjust. I think that the defensive line class is very good. So, you know, you want to dip into it a little bit, but you know, if you, if you take one of the three guys that you've brought in for a visit, I think that's enough for you to say, yeah. all right, well, here we go. This is, this is it. And they're not coming Absolutely. in here to start. They're not coming in here to do anything. They're coming in here to be DeMarvin Leal, play off the bench, make a rookie impact, you know, and kind of be and learn to a little develop. Bit. Yeah, exactly. Like in, in three years or yeah, three years, two years, whatever, like the Steelers defensive line could be set for a whole new generation of defensive linemen in, mm-hmm. you know, either Bennett, Dexter, Ika, whoever, DeMarvin Leal, and hopefully somebody else. And, you know, they've, they've built that through the draft with mid round picks. And you got to feel, you got to feel really good about that. If you're the Pittsburgh Steelers. All right. Last thing I want to talk about, we talked about it a little bit here and there is fan nations mock draft. I uh, controlled the Pittsburgh Steelers. 17 was rough. Deontay Banks was, uh, the pick out of Maryland cornerback. I got to admit he was not my favorite pick. Wasn't even, wasn't even remotely close. Like I went in there and I had a big board and my big board was Paris Johnson, Broderick Jones, Peter Skaronsky, Christian Gonzalez, Devin Witherspoon, Joey Porter Jr. One of those six guys, they got to fall to 17, right? Like you got to feel really good about somebody being there at 17. No, wasn't even close. Um, And they all went like, right. Like, yeah, 
right like in along. the teens, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was like right after each other. Like, so Gonzalez went seventh to the Raiders, then Witherspoon went eighth to the Falcons, and then Paris Johnson went nine to the Bears, and Skoronsky went tenth to the Eagles. Like, I was sitting there just like, all right, well, if this is real life, you could just throw away your entire draft board because there's nothing left. And then you're sit. I was sitting there again, and I was like, okay, well, you know, I still got Joey Porter Jr. I still got Broderick Jones. Boom, Joey Porter Jr. goes off the board at 14 to the Patriots. And then, boom, the next pick, the Green Bay Packers take Broderick Jones. And there goes my entire first selection of, of players. So I created a like a second big board as we were in the midst, midst of this. And it went Dwan Jones, Emmanuel Forbes, Ringo, Darnell Wright, Addison, Miles Murphy, uh, Byron uh, Breezy, and Osiris Torrance, and then obviously Deontay Banks. I think what it showed me is that we have these expectations for 17 and all these mock drafts are coming out. I mean, Mel Kuyper Jr. said that they're going to take Zay Flowers over Paris Johnson, which is ridiculous. And the 17th pick is not going to be easy to sit at. It's just not. Like if if I'm the if I was the Pittsburgh Steelers in that draft and I had the ability to trade up, I would be on the phone call or on the phone making calls with every single team above me just to see how high up I could get to because, you know, the, I mean, I, I don't know. Pickings here. Like this is a That's great, these are, these are a bunch of great options at 32. They are not great at 17, which, no. you know, that they might just end up having to read. Like, do you think this makes it any more likely that they trade back? You know, if like something like that happens Maybe. where, where like Porter is off the board, uh, if, you know, Paris Johnson and Witherspoon and all these guys on your big board, if they are off the board by pick 17, like, will do you think they'll entertain kind of trading back and, and just kind of cutting their losses there? I think, I think possibly, I think that trading back is certainly a possibility. I'm trying to um, find the draft right now, but I think that, I think that you sit there, at 17 and if that's the selection you have to you you have to make a decision and that decision is am i comfortable with a guy like Deontay Banks which i think Deontay Banks is a great player with a lot of upside like i'm not going to say he's not but at the same time am i comfortable at 17 and who's going to take him behind me like how much farther can we go back before our right you know, before we're in the same situation, because you have to avoid that. You can't, you can't move back from 17 to 25 and then at 25 be faced with the same situation. You were just in at 17 where the face value doesn't match up. If you're going to move back, you have to move back to a point where you're like, okay, well, if we get Deontay banks at 21 instead of 17, and we just got a third round draft pick for it, that's, that's the move. Like then it Mm -hmm. all equals out and it all matches up. Whereas in, if we move back to 21 and we have to draft Tyreek Stevenson, you know, and all we got was a third round pick out of it. That doesn't add up, you know, yeah. that doesn't, but I think that's where it gets, you know, like really questionable for the Pittsburgh Steelers here, just to pull this up. So the Steelers went 16th or 17th, excuse me, with Deontay Banks. Then Bijan Robinson goes next to the lions. Nolan Smith goes to George or out of Georgia at 19 to the bucks. Uh, Miles Murphy, Kalaja Kansi, Zay Flowers, you know, Jordan Addison, you're looking at this and then Darnell Wright, which I think is the first name off the board that the Steelers would highly consider. And he doesn't go until 24, which I think that's where the question gets serious. Like, 
can if you move back to 24 and Darnell Wright's there, even if you lose Deontay Banks, you know, Dar- Darnell Wright at 24 is a good value. You mm-hmm. know, it's not a bad value. So I just think that I think that it's definitely a possibility, but I just think that it's I think 17 is just you're like literally sitting there with a hope and a prayer saying maybe somebody slides. But like right. we and, and then at the same time, like you have to sit there and hope and say, yeah, maybe somebody slides. But like that's our only pick. Like you only get one option at that point. Right. And then like you don't get to pick between your favorite guys or who fits best or our biggest. It's just like. Right. You're at the mercy here. Yeah, you're at the mercy of everyone drafting before you, and yes. that's not a good position to be in. Um, no. no. Yeah, we talked. Yeah, I think we talked about this. I referenced it a little bit earlier, but just yeah, like not kind of controlling your own destiny. You know, like not controlling yes. who you get in this in this draft. It's a it's a tough spot to be in, and that's it, I, and I kind of entered this exercise kind of thinking, well, someone's got to drop. Like someone has to drop. You know, like yes. You're gonna be happy with whoever drops, but I, I you know, but are you at the same time? Like, right? Like, like, like here's well, a good then example. you see it actually play out, and you're you're like, I I'm not happy with it. this. Was not exactly no. how I, I envisioned this stuff going. No, like, and that that was what I learned so quickly, and that's that's what hit me is I had an expectation going into this draft, and you know, I get it. The NFL draft never turns out the way that we say it is, or that these mock drafts go, or whatever, but. I had an expectation going in there. My expectation is that some team after 10 will have to make a decision on a corner, what corner they're going with. But the fact that Christian Gonzalez and Devin Witherspoon went seven, eight and my immediately I went, Oh, okay, well there's no chance where the Steelers are getting a corner. Like there's just, it's gotta be Deontay banks or nobody because Joe Porter jr. Is definitely going to go. And then Paris Johnson and Peter Skaronsky go back to back again. And then the same situation with the offensive tackle, like, what happens in those top 10 picks? And like, there was a couple of question marks, like, you know, Will Levis didn't go until after 10, um, you know, which is, I guess, yeah, like it did a little bit. Like it it wasn't like a, Oh, that's a strange pick, you know? And like Brian branch went 16 to the commanders. And I think that's a name to watch as well. But you know, it just, if those, if those things start happening, my mind went, if I'm the Pittsburgh Steelers, I'm either moving up or I'm moving back real quick. Like mm-hmm. I'm either I'm either immediately going up to nine to get Paris Johnson, or I'm moving back and saying, okay, well, like you know, let's figure this out. Let's take a breath because right now we're just backed against the wall. We got to make a decision. It's not good, and that's that's yeah. just how I felt. And I think that's what you know the harsh reality of 17 is. And we've been putting that into context a little bit here and there, but it hit me. It hit me hard. Like I was on that board. You got two minutes and I was just like, Deontay Banks is a good pick, but he's not my favorite pick. You know, I don't think he's the Steelers favorite pick. And this is, and this is tough. And that's the other thing is when you get into something like this and you have 32, you don't have a computer. You don't have anything. You have 32 guys, one, and every single guy has intense knowledge of the team that they're picking for. So you have to guess that to some degree, this is accurate. And Once those guys started going, it was mm-hmm. it was rough. So yeah. I don't know. We'll see what happened. I'm gonna drop another mock draft next week. I'm gonna drop a mock draft, I think, once a week until until the draft just to I mean, you've know, only got two weeks of two weeks sure, left. Right? Yeah. Two and a half weeks, and then we are two weeks tomorrow, actually. It is yeah. NFL draft day, which is which is wild. But yeah. 
I just think that there's a bunch of scenarios for the Pittsburgh Steelers, and we got to start talking about all of them because the closer we get and the clearer these draft boards become, I think the more difficult life gets for the Pittsburgh Steelers and the more you got to think about a potential move. So we'll dive into all that and more. Felt good talking about the NFL draft and having a little bit of context. You know, we're, we're getting, you could feel the steam rolling a little bit to where you're like, okay, this is real now, you know, definitely, you know, a month ago it was just like, oh, well it's 17. Maybe they'll draft Jordan Addison or, you know, maybe a quarterback, Mm -hmm. you never know. Mm -hmm. Maybe. And now you're just like, oh, okay, well now, like now there's a plan. You know, yeah. and you just gotta you just gotta connect the dots, follow the plan. These next two weeks are gonna get even crazier. I'm excited about it. I'm sure you're excited about it as as well. Absolutely. With that, we're heading out of here. Thank you guys so much for jumping on to another episode of All Steelers Talk. Make sure to subscribe to us on YouTube, youtube.com slash all Steelers Talk. Like this video and find us anywhere you get your podcasts. Check all of mine and Steven's workout at allsteelers.com and of course Steven's stuff at inside the Panthers.com. I will be back on Friday with Derek. Enjoy this beautiful week in the Berg. Peace.